0: Welcome to the spacecraft podcast, presented by Dan Moscrop and brought to you by Them.co.uk, who provides specialist graphic design support for commercial architects, developers, and interior designers. So, I'm joined today by Katrina Larkin of Fora. I've known Katrina for quite some time. In fact, we I'm... have
1: <laughs> our paths have crossed many a time.
0: <laughs> they have indeed. One, one really clear memory I have is of The Big Chill, which you co-founded. Yes. Um, and my memory was standing next to you when Mia invited the crowd on MIA. stage. MIA. MIA, sorry. Yes, MIA, reading directly from my notes there. MIA invited the crowd to get on stage and for me it just summed up where you were in, in total ecstasy watching something incredible and then worrying about what weight load you had on the stage.
1: Yes. <laughs> I think that was 2010 and I greatly admire MIA as an artist. I mean, she's just brilliant. She empowers women. She empowers everybody. And I remember standing with you, and it was a great night, and, you know, the crowd were going wild. And she is just intoxicating, you know, watching her. And then suddenly we're standing there, and there were people appearing at the side of stage. But you don't know of MIA if it's a you know, new band of dancers she's decided to bring in last minute. But we were standing there, and suddenly there were more and more, and they were climbing over the front. They were climbing over security, and it was a complete stage invasion. And at that moment, you're always wrapped up in the sort of Atmosphere and joyousness—you're almost high on that, you know. Yeah. Watching the crowds, and that's why we do used to do what we did. But then suddenly, you're like, "Oh my gosh, this is a health and safety issue." And your radio is in because you, you've always got an earpiece in you. Is just going stage invasion. Everybody, stage right, stage left, and we were like a mini army. and the mini army swooped in to deal with the situation but you know lots of things happened at the big chill over the years but we just got better and better at handling it.
0: It was a fabulous festival I remember it being a bit of an anomaly actually in that you know you had this sort of the grime of most festivals and I think The big chill for me was where you sort of experienced things like glamping before glamping was a thing, and and clean toilets, which was nice.
1: Yeah, we won the Best Toilet Award for about four years running at the Festival Awards, and I was always really proud to win that because I thought that really shows our continuation on our operating skills and the fact that we were always looking after the details Mm, and respecting our audience,
0: Am I right in thinking that The Big Chill sort of grew of its own volition? It just sort of, it just sort of, it, by almost like word of mouth, really.
1: Yeah, but that was always the intention. When we started it back in 1994, in the back room of the Union Chapel, with about 45 quid in our back pocket, <laughs> we really did rely on our friends. And so the first people we invited were our friends, and we asked them to invite their friends and support us. Um, We were very much about anything that happened in that room had to be the best quality. Mm. And we had things like a cafe, but we couldn't afford to buy the best quality cakes. So my flatmate Emma Ferguson and I, we baked cakes all night for two nights running, became very good at making carrot cakes back in the day. (laughs) And we made loads of mobiles and the art, and we went round, it sounds terrible now, for a month beforehand a friend of mine Pete had a van and we went round and we collected mattresses and we filled the (laughs) floors with them and then we covered them with sheets and a friend happened to have a huge movie screen that we put on the wall and it was at the time of Matt Black and Cold Cut and they came down and they did the visuals and it was the start of the VJs. We brought in um, masseurs and we had this whole massage area and it was all on a Sunday afternoon. So it was the start of a lot of new ideas, but they weren't just Pete Lawrence and I's ideas. They came from the community around us and it was just such an exciting time. It was a very lucky time to be a part of something new.
0: And do you miss it?
1: Of course I miss it. And I never thought I would have the opportunity to be part of another business that would so impassion me again. You know, Mm. luck can strike once where you meet a great load of people at the right time and the zeitgeist is there and something new happens. So I don't miss it so much now in that it's been replaced by Fora. And I have the same passion again for Fora that I had for The Big Chill. And and that love for Fora kind of grew over time. It's like it wasn't... I looked at the new baby and went oh my gosh love at first sight it was like oh wow this is really interesting we're about to start on another journey but as the team has grown and we have more spaces and we're getting more confident and we're learning more mm. it's replaced that hole shall we say in my heart
0: So, but quite a big change from the big chill surely
1: no not really yes the big chill was outdoors. And it was over one weekend, and we also had the bars and the record label and brought out books, and we had a... You know, it was really, really, I would say, more pop-up once a year, and whereas fora is constant. You know, every day you walk in and you're engaging with people. But it's all about togetherness. And at The Big Chill, I always saw us as the guardians. We were the curators. We were building a city temporarily every year. And at Fora, we're just the guardians, and it's about togetherness. It's togetherness within the team, once more, but it's also togetherness with our residents, creating an environment for them, and listening to them, and empowering them that their business and them as individuals can be the best that they can.
0: I've certainly experienced them. Um, Natasha Bloom was good enough to show me around. My, her, new, right? EA, yeah, yes. my new EA, Yeah, new EA. She's fabulous, Uh, but what I experienced was, uh, certainly at the borough site, as we walked around the building, the the warmth towards her was phenomenal. She'd been there for, I think, a month, and she said she felt like she'd come home, which is lovely. That's
1: lovely to hear.
0: Where did the concept for Fora come from?
1: It started when I was approached by our investors, Brockton Capital, who I had worked with on Camden Lock, Mm -hmm. and they approached me and said... We want to go into the office market to be one market. And as much as I liked them as individuals and really liked the way they approached their business, I was like, "That's not me." Uh, I I instantly imagined almost square boxes and rows of desks. And though I thought it would be something maybe I could have a look at and input into, I never saw it as a new career, so to speak. And I kindly said sorry not for me but good luck and then I was at Camden working and I became involved in the interchange they started a co-working space in Camden and it kind of started to open my eyes to how people could be part of a shared economy how you could elevate people's everyday's work experience but that was just sort of co-working so I called Brockton back and I said hmm, you know this uh, offices you're interested in getting into, uh, maybe maybe we should converse further. And they said, I tell you what, you should meet this gentleman, Enrico Sana, who we've been talking to about it. And we'd like you to, if you did get involved, to work with him. So I met Enrico and I suggested a bar of a friend of mine, a friend of mine's new bar. And we met there and the music was too loud and we could barely hear each other and it's quite comedy looking back and was sort of shouting ideas backwards of voice, but we really got on together. And I loved his passion and energy. So that was kind of like the first box tick. This could be interesting working of this person. And he has a wealth of experience and he was behind turning around a cosmopolitan hotel in Las Vegas. So all the right experience So then we talked further and we started talking about how we found service levels in London were not what they were internationally. We talked a lot about our favorite restaurants, membership bars, culture, and what was happening in New York, and everywhere else around the world. And I went, okay, let's let's just keep this conversation open. And then we went to see Profit, the agency, and we started exploring it further. And then I was getting more, emotion, more and more emotionally like, wow, this could be really exciting. And with Profit, we interviewed the top hoteliers, restauranteurs, trendsetters, journalists, everybody we could think of about... Where they thought the trends in the workplace were going, mm. and in membership bars and in the whole F and B industry, and then we also started to do interviews with and workshops with. It must have been hundreds of hundreds of people. So this went on over six months, and then the research started coming back. and I clearly remember one day sitting in our investors, Enrico and I, and we were looking at all the data and the research had come in, and I was going to Enrico am I misreading this, or am I trying to interpret this in a way of a business that I would love to do? Mm-hmm. Because it was really saying about how the boundaries between people's social life and work life were blurring, mm-hmm. the need for more productivity in the workplace, about where people's work really often, they needed it to reflect their brand, Um, it was had to be client facing but it all went back to almost a hospitality industry and it looked like a hotel almost where if you took out all the bedrooms and replaced them with offices you would have this workspace and you would have a workspace where yes people could go into their own room a bit like a serviced office or a traditional office you have your own space and that is your demise and if you want to close the door you can close the door But also you have access to all these other facilities. And like in a hotel, you go down to the ground floor and there's a food offering. In a lot of floors, you have a restaurant or a cafe. In the lower ground floor, you would have a well-being studio. Mm -hmm. And we have meeting rooms. We even have a sleep pod called the Orb, which we can come on to later. But you, you start to have this house design was becoming this idea. And on the top floor, you would have an outdoor space and you would have an event space. So this became this design. It almost became a drawing first for it. It was like a house deck and yeah. all these door- different floor plates of what the 4 experience would be for our residents, but also their guests. And then came the name. But everything, I keep going back to this word togetherness today. Everything was about people coming together in an environment where they felt secure with like-minded people, but they would have a forum. To get together, to exchange ideas, to network, to form friendships, to learn. And it was forum. So of course, fora.
0: You can certainly see that the the house design concept when you're on site. I think there's some lots of there's lots of lovely little elements. As you've mentioned there, the orb. It feels to me that you seem to be at the sort of front curve of early innovators on certain things. So the orb for anyone listening is a small booth where you can go in and have a guided meditation where I spoke to a couple of people who'd used it They said they came out feeling completely buoyant after just ten minutes and completely changed their mental state yes. during the day you 've obviously got the wellness rooms and the the, the gyms. And I believe uh, the next one you, you're about to introduce podcasting recording booths. We
1: are. In March next year, we have uh, purchased the old Hearst building in Soho on Broadwick Street. And we don't ever take a cookie-cut approach to Foras. And, of course, we met the guys from Soho Radio I'm a big fan of Soho Radio, and I think people often see them as a very small local radio station. But they have four million listeners a year. That's quite a voice. And in our front ground floor, we don't like any place space to not be used or a dead space. You know, it's so old-fashioned that you go in and see this, like... Big lobby statement place you know it the four buildings are for the people that work for them in them and the people who come in to them, mm-hmm. so we had this big lobby area and I met the guy from Soho Radio, and they needed new space and it was like we kept talking and we went wouldn't it be fantastic to walk into the ground floor of fora Soho and so much about the community area that you actually have a radio station Right at the front in a box, looking like completely their design. And you see the DJs and the performers, you can listen into the shows, and you can actually see the radio shows live. So that's where it started from. And then I visited their place, and they had these really small podcast studios and kitchens. And I was like, we need podcast studios you need better facilities, you need to grow as a business, why don't we do this together? So we have built podcast, we're building podcast studios on the lower ground floor of Soho Radio, which they'll manage them. And it goes back to Fora and Enrico and I and the team being the guardians, being the curators, we continue to explore new ideas to how we can bring more energy and life into our buildings.
0: It seems, as you mentioned yourself there, the hospitality aspect of it. Um, the Service seems to be a really important part oh, of the Oh, it's for
1: all it. about people to people. You know, people go to work and... You want, when you walk in the door, you want to be known. You know, you just talked about Natasha walking around yeah, and everybody's yeah. saying hello. Well, there's such a buzz when you're at Fora because everybody's saying hello to you and yeah. everybody's talking to you and everybody wants to get to know you. And and that's key element in service. It's all, it, it's all about people. And so many brands say they are about service. Sometimes I can sit at the back when people are doing presentations, be on a new co-working space or new offices and they go service, service, service. But actually, you know, we even teamed up with EHL from Switzerland who are one of the top hospitality schools Mm. in the world. And we're going for a training program. I'm going for it as well. We all do it. Mm. So that they're actually writing for us you know, our documents, and they're assisting us to be better at service. So it absolutely underpins everything that we do.
0: You mentioned um, service being one of the pillars. What What are the other pillars for? for design?
1: design. I think you probably noticed that as soon as you walked into the building. We, n- yeah. we never select furniture that belongs in an office unless it is actually a desk or an ergonomic chair that needs to be there for somebody to work off in their own owned office everything else there is a color palette there is a certain chic look and quality is really really important but it's like we draw inspiration from one well, but we're drawing out new buckets, so to speak, <laughs> of ideas of design for each building. And it's really important that they look individual. And even when you were at four a borough walking around as you went on to every floor and you went into every open lounge probably in between yeah. the offices, all they're all different. It is like yeah. a residential lounge on each floor that is really comfortable that makes people feel that they're at home but what's important is that the residents in that area think that that space was personally designed to them for them.
0: I have to say when I walked around especially Borough the You know, sometimes if you're in a different space, you feel a little bit uncomfortable. You're interrupting people or you feel like you shouldn't be there. And even as an outsider going in, I felt completely welcome and at ease.
1: Well, we're very fortunate to own our own buildings. So that means that it's not just about the loose furniture that we put in. And Mm. yes, that is very beautiful and tactile and the arrangements are thought about. But the whole floor plate is thought about. We think about the sight lines You know, we think about, we'll go back to borough because you know if anybody comes into borough, there's a main entrance, you walk in the door, there's a lovely welcome to Forest sign on the ground. You have your to-go Borealis Scandinavian cafe on your right. With the cinnamon the,
0: buns, my With heart. the cinnamon buns. Oh, I amazing. love
1: the cinnamon buns. <laughs> Great coffee too. And then there's these rows of long tables with lovely lounge furniture all around it. There's a tree coming up from the lower ground to the upper ground. But there's this beautiful round concierge desk for everybody to walk around with all our gems and hosts in it, or waving, chatting, you know, meeting and greeting people. There are books all over the shelves. So it's very much designed that People within the local community can come in. idea of a Friday, I saw two girls curled on a sofa reading their books that weren't residents. And it's just really lovely because it brings that energy in. So we've yeah. designed, been able to design that because we own that building and we're able to design and think about that arrival experience because we can decide how we lay it out. We can decide where the inner walls are, you know. We can decide... When we want people to step in, or the distance between rooms, we can think about the acoustics a lot better. You know, when you're working and you have your head down, you don't want to hear what's going on in the meeting room next door. You want to make your private calls. It, you know, all these elements we've been able to think about.
0: And again, you talked about the cookie cook. Uh, sorry, the cookie cutter approach. Cookie cutter. <laughs> I've walked around Central and Darling yes. Street. It, there's different common elements, I've noticed, that sort of seem to evolve as they go from different buildings. There's little lovely features like in Central, you've got you know the soundproof acoustic walls with the diagonals, yeah. and then you'll see them again in Borough, but used in a much more interesting and exciting way on the ceilings. How, how does that work? Does that work with the sort of house concept of evolving the spaces each time?
1: Well, you, we have a certain, shall we say, fundamental operational shall we call it, that underpin what we need to deliver, mm. like security, privacy, design, going back to the comfort factor. Flexibility is absolutely key as well. Spaces for people to hold large events. You know, there are mm. numerous mm. things that we have to be able to deliver, but when you each building, you can't always deliver them in the same way because of design, floor heights, etc ceiling height, sorry, yeah. <laughs> and, and you have to think about it. Plus, we're learning all the time, so we're always out at shows or meeting new architects or interior designers, reading tech magazines, so at colleges, so we're always drawing on new ideas as mm. well so that we can adapt and grow.
0: The design of the spaces is phenomenal. Yes. I love things like the reading rooms. How involved are you yourself in the design?
1: A lot, a lot and people often say well how are you going to be able to carry that on as you scale but the team is growing so I just left a meeting with a new person who's only been with us six weeks couldn't believe it when he said to me he'd only been with me six weeks it's David Kent and he has a lot of history in working with other co-working spaces so he's used to working sort of in an office environment but He now sits alongside me, as does Russell, and Enrico joins in, and we're working with the furniture practice at the moment in sourcing the right furniture, and we work with Hassel a lot Mm -hmm. in our buildings. But to Enrico and I, it's really important that we sign off to everything that goes into each building, so, we, yeah, we are involved and we are developing more and more, shall we say, the look. Yeah. So when people walk by, it's becoming more, oh my gosh, only Fora could give that amount of attention to detail and use their imagination or be as confident to deliver such a look.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was the the restaurant area, I love the stairwell. End. Yes. As you, know, you sort of wind down into the wellness space, beautiful artwork. That work. is beautiful, yeah. And then that's echoed again, as you say, in the hall for the tree but, to grow through. But this
1: comes back, you know, to the people we work with. So Soren Jensen, who is of one Lombard, is um, Scandinavian, and he always wanted to open a Scandinavian restaurant. In fact, he, we met him originally because he was talking about the Scandinavian concept with retail in a restaurant. But we so fell for his passion and knowledge, like yesterday he was in Copenhagen eating at 15 restaurants, poor thing, drawing inspiration (laughs) to bring back. So Borealis within the uh, ground floor of Borough, which is also open to the public, he has brought all that knowledge into it and it's like a space within fora like stepping into a scandinavian restaurant in the middle of borough it's beautiful and he was so involved in the design of it Mm. as well you know it is his concept
0: it's uh, interesting we spoke to jenny jones on an earlier podcast and uh she she talks about thresholds and breaking, which is equivalent to breaking to different zones, and yes. you can really feel that moving through through the forest spaces, which I mean?
1: is really important. It's like how you think about your home. You know, we go to different rooms during different hours of the weekend. At Fora, we want it to be... You don't always want to be sitting at your desk. You may not always want to be sitting out on the sofa. You might want to go into our reading room. In our reading room, you can actually put a record on. We have a whole selection of vinyl that we curate all the it's time. So lovely
0: tucked-away little yeah, room. Yeah, and,
1: and foils do um, book picks for us. Wow. Which is really lovely. So if you're going in there... You know, you can go in and pick up a book, but you have a little description underneath by the foil stuff about why this book might be right for you.
0: I am a book hoarder, and I was quite jealous of some of the books that were kicking around. 15
1: metres of books (laughs) in that reading room. And it's lovely because, like, we met Poet in the City who are celebrating and trying to give a new platform to poetry, and now they've curated for us poetry books for each of the spaces. So as we meet people, you know, because spaces can't stay constant. You, you know, in your home, you're always buying new elements for it, keeping it fresh. And that's what we do as for us. We're on this journey and we meet people. We can bring fresh elements into the building.
0: You've also got some lovely outdoor space. Yes. You know, in, in all of them that I've In a lot of them.
1: Yeah. i wait till you see Spitalfields, which opens in March... And it's absolutely incredible. There is a courtyard that the whole building wraps around. And we've got, you know, our forum steps. And it's got this, oh, this is terrible. I've forgotten the name. So everybody's going to have to forgive me. But we've got like this inflatable ceiling. I think it's called EDF or EDV that inflates out to fill the space. So it's always a couple of degrees warmer than the outside ambient temperature. We're building like this indoor outdoor area. So we've got some beautiful furniture coming from Catal and Casina and Moroso outside. And we've also got a library in the corner, like a little conservatory library. But when you push the book, you're actually going to, sorry, the bookcase, you're actually going to be able to go through into one of the hallways. And I've asked for a theatre hook. To be suspended. So the idea that maybe on our launch party we can have an aerial performer, but also because we do external hire for people coming in to hire the space, they will be able to use that to create it as their own, whether they want to do, I don't know, giant AV inflatables or their banner up there or their brand. Because we sometimes need to add elements so that people can personalise, especially event spaces Mm. that we
0: have. It sounds to me that um, as as you're opening more, your confidence is growing and you're getting more excited about the potential.
1: Our confidence grows in response to the people, the residents who work in the building. We listen to them all the time. Everybody in head office has to go and have lunch with a resident every week, just as aside from all our surveys. Our guest experience manager at each building has very good relations with all the residents, so it's a constant conversation. We will do agreements that people can give us 30 days' notice at any point. So I always call it the sticky factor. We have to be 100% at delivering our job so we retain the people in the building. And that's a very brave move in a lot of ways, especially in your cash flow and financially. But it's a really good marker for us as a business. We're retaining people within our spaces. They could choose to go, and we have to keep our side of the bargain up. It's not like a traditional office, which I really don't understand anymore, where people sign these five-year, ten-year leases. At this stage, why would you want to separate your business, cut yourself off, almost put a moat around yourself not have the opportunities to network, not have an environment that is more productive. And it, it just seems ridiculous to me. So, we, we, you know, we have to keep going. We have a constant relationship.
0: I think the fact that they're called... I was trying to work out what GEM stood for, actually, but Guest, guest experience, experience Manager. But
1: we we, we came up the term Guest Experience Manager, and then the magic was it was shortened to GEM, and yeah. they are our
0: GEMs. Yeah, yeah. What, what sort of feedback's coming back then from those those monthly meetings?
1: Oh, everything. It's it's really wide. So what it, sort of positive
0: c- stories are your, are your businesses what what business what a business get out of being at forum?
1: One thing I really like, it's not just for the CEO or the person who owns the business. We're not angling it because they are the ones who are watching the bottom line, signing off the invoices and the agreements. It's for everybody who works within their business, which really supports them to have a more positive culture. So their interns can go and eat, you know, bring their lunch boxes in and eat in the communal areas or in the front by the restaurant, as well as everybody else. They can attend events. So we do resident breakfasts. We do a resident's drinks in the evening. We do an annual summer party, which is a lot of fun for everybody. We're about to have our Christmas parties. But aside from that, we have workshops, we have book launches. We're really proud that um, Tortoise, which are in the news and everybody's reading about at Mm -hmm. the moment, James X, head of the BBC, editor of the Times, is starting his new, as we call it, slow news Um, from january but tortoise are hosting all their talks at fora and that is also open to our residents Mm -hmm. so we have some really good high profile thought-provoking talks going on within our building there's also the whole well-being packages as well so you can go to yoga you can go to meditation you can we um do really affordable personal training for people. So we support that because we truly believe that if people are happier, they're more productive. Mm -hmm. And if people are more productive, it's good for the company and the bottom line. It's very, very simple.
0: Is Fora exp- improving the fortunes of the businesses within your walls?
1: Yeah, it is. I'm really proud because um, Saitora, one of our first companies to join us at Central, and they signed up for 22 desks, are now just under 100 desks just a year later. And I was talking to a friend of mine, Mike, from Ditto, and he came from another co-working space and came to Fora. And he said that in the first six weeks he had closed more deals at Fora than he had in the previous place in six months. And he thought in that previous six months he was doing really, really well. Because I always call it the flow. You know, I'm a big believer, you know, they're all about what is happiness. It's about being in the flow. And that's what we try to achieve at Fora. So if a resident, they're able to go onto the Fora app, they're able to say, I have X client coming in at X time. That goes straight through to the concierge desk. The host, Gem, knows. That person walks in. It's a very light touch sign in for people. And we welcome them. We bring them into the welcome lounge. We then message the company to say their guest is here. And there's a two way live conversation. Oh my gosh, my presentation, I'm not quite ready. It's like, okay, cool down. We'll look after your client, we'll keep everything flowing. And everything looks amazing. They're in there reading the books, reading the papers, chatting to our team. Mm. And then the client walks in, and they're in a really good mood. We've got the client in the right place for them. Then it's down to their person within the resident to present their business and what they do. You can, you know, if you go into a boardroom... I always love this, or any forum meeting room. The te- no- technology is seamless, and that is a constant. That isn't cookie-cutter, because when any resident goes around our network, they need to understand how the technology works. And they go in there, and they lift the iPad off the wall. They can control the temperature in the room. They control the light controls. You know, All the technology runs for them to do their presentations. so they're closing more deals. Everybody's in a good mood. They can call room
0: service from the restaurants, what what makes Fora different from your competitors? Then
1: I think everything I've just said in the last <laughs> half hour. You know, Fair point. you know, you don't you don't sit in a meeting room and have a ping pong ball hitting. You know, you know, the the or the front <laughs> desks aren't like a bus stop. You know, yeah, of everything. Yeah, yeah, and I think that very much thing we own our buildings and we design them from the ground up, and we have really close relationships, close relations with the residents who work in the building and it's a two-way conversation and that technology that we are developing all the time through our app, be it how it it is operating the building absolutely Mm. underpins every business so we can concentrate on the service as well Mm. And and that is absolutely key, it's all about people and we think about people
0: when I was talking to Neil Usher uh, in a previous podcast, we talked about um, the Googleization and the fact that people are sort of putting slides into their office without really understanding the concept behind it. I think there's quite an interesting thing going on in the co working space, in that I feel like there's a lot of copiers out there. Are you, are you worried that people are going to take your concept and try and run with it?
1: I think there's a really low bar to entry on co working. It's a bit like we were the first boutique festival and then everybody went, oh, my God, there's hundreds of boutique festivals. Well, actually, there were a lot of festivals out there that just started calling themselves boutique. Yes. And co-working, it's, for some people, it's a long trestle table with beanbags thrown in the corner and sharing a kitchen. Well, actually, that's been around for a very long time. I really hope and think that people are wising up and feel that they've been cheated and been given a disservice to the way the offices have been run in London and traditional landlords have just been greedy and lazy. And I think now that the likes of a lot of bigger co-workers came in, I really respect the fact that they changed attitudes and they showed people that there was a new way of working. We've taken it up to another another level now called pro-working, and, and I really, you know, we will get competitors, but that's going to be responding to the market, which is fantastic. If there's a demand, there is more of us. And if there is more of us, you know, there are going to be more supplies to our market, there's going to be more interest. I, I really hope that happens. And it keeps us on our toes. And I like being kept on my toes. <laughs> Same as the agreements.
0: <laughs> so, um, you mentioned Spitalfields, but yes. what's next for Fora?
1: Oh, on Monday. I don't know what date this goes out. So, I am sitting here, and it is Friday, the 26th of October. But this coming Monday, we open our first base in Fitzrovia on Eastgate Street. Oh, wow. Yes. That's where Tortoise are taking over a whole floor and will be doing their think tanks as well. So, some very interesting people in the building.
0: Amazing. I believe you got Reading on the go soon. Reading's open already.
1: Wow. Reading opened. We had our big launch party in September, which is right opposite the train station, which I mean. is fantastic. And already it's interesting because there are officers in Paddington who are now going, actually, four is really cool mm. and... Let's move our offices there. It's as easy to get to. And they would prefer to base themselves in Reading and be at a fora because we haven't got anything in that part of West London. I think that says a lot about us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Any of the cities?
1: Well, at the moment, because we are opening so many buildings at the moment, I mean, we talked about we've got Fitzrovia in three yeah. days, we've got Soho at the beginning of next year, we've got Folgate yeah. streets, or in Spitalfields, then we have Brick Lane. We have one opening in Shoreditch next year. Then we probably have another well, We do have another one opening in Fitzrovia. Sorry, I'm losing fingers <laughs> <laughs> on my hands now. I used to be able to count them on my hand and I can't anymore. That's, That's us quite busy. And yeah. as you can see, we really care and consider what we do. So we're focusing very much on London right now.
0: Excellent. And and how do you select your architects to work with
1: Oh, well, we have a great guy called Russell Derling, who's head of development, who came over from Derwent, and he brings a lot of knowledge with him and expertise. So he's really central for choosing which of the architects we work with, some of which I've worked with before, like Stuart Piercy and Camden and he's just incredible because he really feels the building like he cycles round areas on his own looking at it engaging in it and re- and really looking about how he can take the fora design scope and translate it through the building and we're also working with Orms on Folgate but also on Portobello Dock as well and they're really good because Portobello Dock is almost like a campus Though we won't use the word campus it's also where Innocent are and we've got the canal coming into it and they're great at really looking at it almost like as a mini for a city and how we can build it and celebrate it and how we can curate it all together and then we're working stiff and trevelli and soho and then we work with Hassel a lot who i mentioned earlier and i love Hassel because they've got they're based in they're originally from australia but they work all over the world Mm. And that's really po- important. I feel sometimes London can get a bit locked on repetitiveness.
0: Yeah. You know. We, we did hear, actually, again, Neil was talking about the fact that the, the Australians are really willing to share. Yes. It's a lot of sharing. And, that's, and, and hassle a are
1: always in the beginning.
0: Mm.
1: I mean, I was talking to Felicity and Catherine from Hassel the other day, and I just had to turn around and say, thank you. And they was saying, What for? And I said, well, for really holding Enrico and I's hands in the beginning when there was just two of us and we were new to the office world, which was good in that we didn't have a background in the workspace. So we were taking all our energy and ideas from curation and culture and hotels and bars and looking about how we could elevate everybody's everyday experience within a workplace but they came very much from this international and they challenged us mm-hmm. you know Sweetie. they were going try this maybe you know split the colors up yeah. you know do yeah. this and now sometimes i think we throw ideas back at them and they go whoa you do <laughs> <laughs> but no it's a really really good relationship
0: exciting well i can't wait to see what what comes next for Fora. Uh, thank you katrina thank you very much thank really you very
1: very much
0: You've been listening to the Spacecraft Podcast, presented by Dan Moscrop, brought to you by them.co.uk, who provides specialist graphic design support for commercial architects, developers and interior designers. We'll be back with another episode soon, so please subscribe and keep listening.